You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of the show. Today I've got Cam Berry and Tom Peavy with me as we're with you for the full three hours today, talking all things Auburn, talking all things college football, a little pro football too. We'll have Joe Bartle on of RotoWire a little bit earlier today. He'll come on at 4.30 to talk some fantasy football uh, as we get through about the midway point of the fantasy football seasons. We're just shy of the midway point in the NFL season. So uh, we'll talk to Joe about that coming up in the 4 o'clock hour. Of course, if you want to make your voice heard today on Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 to join us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Again, be talking more Auburn as we transition from Auburn Ole Miss into Auburn Mississippi State. We'll update you on Mississippi State's status of a couple of their key players. And again, look ahead towards the rest of this Auburn football season. Again, uh, there's some baseball talk about, some basketball talk about, a lot of things to get into with the show today. And Ryan, Cam, and Tom, start with you, Cam. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. <clears throat> Just uh, a little worn down, a little tired, but it's Wednesday and uh, excited to be on the show. Talk. Uh, talk some football, some fantasy football with Joe Bartle, Joe, Joe Bartle, excuse me, as well, um, and talk a little bit of NFL. Uh, it was a weird, uh, weird week last week, and really in college football and in pro football, honestly. Um, but yeah, uh, doing great, and uh, you know, ex- also very happy that the Phillies are no longer in the playoffs, um, and uh, and that the Diamondbacks and the Rangers are going to be in the World Series. I think that's a good one and an interesting one. Uh, different. I haven't seen anything. Haven't seen that in a while. I mean, you know, I think it was. I saw a stat that it's the first time that neither the Astros or the uh, Do- Dodgers are in the last been in the seven World years. Series. Yeah, I talked about yeah. the show yesterday. That, 20, I mean, 2016. that's Twenty sixteen. Yep. Okay. So uh, that's wild, man. That that's something uh, very uh, un- unprecedented. Honestly, just to, to have neither of those teams featured. Uh, so I, I like it. I like that it's different. I like. Uh, I like that the Rangers are, are getting their chance, and I. And I like the the Arizona Diamondbacks. They've been uh, underdogs, and it's two 84 win teams that are going to be in the World Series. So um, I've I always found that interesting, and uh, no 100 win teams. So yeah, but uh, I'm doing great and uh, ready to talk all things sports with you guys. And then Tom Peavy on the show again. Tom, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great, and uh, yeah, I mean we're going to kind of recap everything we've talked about over the last couple of days. Uh, there's more stuff that keeps now coming out with the whole Michigan thing that we just got, the Michigan manifesto. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> so uh, 
yeah, a lot of stuff to talk about with that. I too am very happy that the Phillies are not in the World Series. I uh, I appreciate Bryce Harper as a baseball player, but I don't like Bryce Harper. He he has like a very punchable face and a very punchable personality. Uh, I don't like him. Uh, like I said, I respect his talents as a baseball player. I just don't like him. Uh, I don't like the Phillies fans. I don't like their other players. I'm glad they're gone. So yeah. I think all Braves country can uh, can yes. echo those statements, and uh, it brings about a World Series, which was very much not the plan uh, for no, if no. you were a TV network or if you were just a prognosticator that were thinking about the best teams in baseball. And uh, none of them are here. It yeah. is Texas and Arizona. And it's supposed to be Braves, Astros, Dodgers, Astros, perhaps Braves, Orioles, Dodgers, yep. Orioles. I mean, that was where it was supposed to be yep. going. Nope. No, a whole lot of nope. Uh, and, again, that, that Diamondbacks team lost 110 two years ago, so they have a pretty quick rise into the postseason. And uh, also strange to think, too, I was remembering this the other day or, or last night, recall that the Cubs and Diamondbacks were were duking it out and the Marlins and all those teams were duking it out for that last wild card spot and uh, part of an important process in that was Chicago losing to Atlanta in the manner that they did uh, when they dropped a a ball in right field and it set off another (coughs) losing streak and that sort of thing so that certainly helped uh, Arizona even get in in the first place and then they obviously took full advantage of it but uh, let's get going here on the show day. Of course, I also want to mention T.P. Hammock, who's running the board and taking your phone calls today on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first half of the show. Again, Joe Barn will be coming up at 4.30, talk some fantasy. So we look forward now, I'm starting to look forward to uh, Auburn and Mississippi State. Obviously, Auburn playing both Mississippi schools in back-to-back weeks. Again, the Tigers were hanging around with the Rebels Last weekend inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium, but just not enough offense and uh, plenty of mistakes going forward. Looking into Mississippi State coming this weekend, again, I think the story throughout the week and to monitor will be the health of Mississippi State's backfield, uh, mainly Will Rogers, who did not play last weekend against Arkansas, and Jaquavian Marks, their running back, who is a, a very talented running back who has been playing through injury and continued to get a little further beat up last weekend against Arkansas where uh, he, he had kind of a, a big wrap around his leg for the second half of that game and had a much different second half than he did first half. So those two players are going to be kind of uh, – I, I don't know if game time decisions, were, if we're going to get there, but certainly – Two guys to watch out for in the next couple of days, see if Zach Arnett gives any updates or we hear of any updates because that obviously will influence the game greatly. However, I still think even if they play, guys, Auburn's defense is not the unit that we are worried about nor uh, trying to overanalyze. It continues to be uh, the offensive side of the ball. Mississippi State had not been playing great defense this year until that Arkansas game, which, of course, Arkansas uh, fired Dan Enos the other day, their offensive coordinator, and uh, justifiably so after a uh, very poor effort so far this year and dropping Arkansas to two and six. Uh, but but here comes uh, the Mississippi State game for Auburn. This is now the turning point in the season where Auburn needs to start finding their wins. Uh, after losing four in a row, if they want to get bowl eligibility, you, you know you got the New Mexico State game. I still think for all the world not losing to Vandy, but – 
Still got to find one more. Still got to either beat Mississippi State at home or Arkansas on the road. Auburn certainly can be capable of doing both those things. Uh, but obviously, this is the first time where, all right, going to put the optics to the test. It looks really bad, but also you've been playing good teams. Now you're playing a not-so-great team, a team that's also fighting for bowl eligibility. What can you get done against Mississippi State? Yeah. Um, this is a, a stretch of games that Auburn, like you said, needs to start winning, and they are very winnable games. Um, I would like to start seeing some kind of some continuity with the offense. Uh this is a, a defense that they should be able to start finding some success and maybe change some things up to find some success, things that we talked about on yesterday's show, maybe start doing a little bit more true with the, the read option type stuff. Uh, they, I mean, whatever it is, they got to fix it. But, uh, you know, like we talked about, it, it feels like that offense is so broken that you, we just don't know what to fix with it because they've tried so many things and nothing works. But this coaching staff is being paid a lot of money to figure it out. So figure it out. Figure something out that's going to work and get it done. I mean, it, I, I have a hard time believing that they have exhausted all options on what they can do on offense. So they figure out something and, and start moving the ball down the field and giving your defense a little bit of a break. Yeah, definitely got to give the defense a, a break because they, they are the ones that have been – playing pretty well uh relatively speaking i know you know they've had the recent losses and i know the lsu game was tough but again you were at lsu and and they're they have such a high powered offense but you were able to hold miss uh old miss to to 28 points and and really cause them some problems um when you're at home it, it seems like auburn's just like i said they're just a very very different football team uh, even the loss to Georgia again, they they held Georgia to 27 points and it was a close one down the stretch. Uh, so if you're the offense, they they've been able to score a little bit better at home. It has not been great, and I still put the threshold, <laughs> uh, I still put the threshold at holding teams to about you know 20 to 25 points uh, or 24 points, and and um, having to be able to do that because the offense really probably won't be able to score more. Um, but the chances are always good when, when you're at home, if, if you're Auburn, because again, held Ole Miss to 28 points, uh, you know, let that one kind of get a, a little bit away from you. And, and, um, uh, and, and then the game with Georgia, you were, you were leading at one point. So I still put the threshold at, at 24 points, but, um, yeah, if you're the offense, you got to be able to show something here because the defense is giving you everything. Um, and, and this is a good opportunity, uh, against Mississippi state at home to, to at least get right, um, a little bit. And, you know, I think that when we're looking at this game and we're looking at how Auburn's tempo is as they progress through these next few weeks, I feel like there is a little better window window of opportunity to try more tempo. Now, we explained a little bit yesterday, the dangers in that is obviously you, you turn the ball over quicker to the other team and you're already in jeopardy with how anemic the offense has been so far. You've already kind of put the defense in spots where it would be on the border of them just getting exhausted. You try to speed up your tempo and still not make any first downs in a drive and that's only going to come to a worse head. But... If Will Rogers ends up not playing, and if Marks is slowed, 
then this Mississippi State offense, which was already a little underwhelming, a little disappointing with Rodgers, with the change in style a little bit, all of a sudden you expect to be able to handle Mississippi State's offense, to be quite honest with you. I mean, Mississippi State, they won last week. I get it. They scored seven points, and their quarterback is would be Michael Wright from uh, from Vanderbilt, who had played a little bit there at Vandy at times. He had been the starter a few games, then wouldn't be kind of quarterback carousel of some sorts, had some injured. But Mike Wright there was not some revelation, obviously. He ends up transferring. He's going to be Mississippi State's backup. And so he only threw it 12 times last week against Arkansas. I mean, he's more of a running quarterback. He does not – he has certain limitations to him. And so they just tried to pound the ground game. They didn't have a whole lot of plays. Arkansas had the ball most of that game despite not scoring. But, I mean, Mississippi State's offense is not exactly daunting. So you would say that you'd maybe have a better shot at at not having pure exhaust, exhaustion because you're not too worried about – the upside of Mississippi State's offense, whereas in weeks past, you're playing Ole Miss, playing at LSU. I mean, those offenses, they, they don't, they'll score on you if you are full strength. If you are starting to get tired, they will really score on you. And so it's a little more detrimental to you to have to turn it over quickly. And so I wonder if Mississippi State is the right type of team um, to, to be able to maybe go a little bit more pace. But again, I, I, I certainly understand that – you just get worried about how quickly you give the other team the ball. I know you got more media timeouts in today's college football. You got longer timeouts, and and that sort of thing can can certainly add up and, and, and help defenses a little bit more. But I was going through the drive chart for Auburn against Ole Miss. And again, Ole Miss is okay defensively. I, I don't think they're as bad as people think they still are based off of the last couple of years. I think they're a middle-of-the-pack Power five team, middle of the pack SEC. There's middle of the pack, uh, but even against Ole Miss at home, Auburn had in the first half three or really four drives because you got to count the interception. They had four drives that were three plays or less. Okay, four times three plays are out there, whether that's a three and out or a turnover. And in the second half, they added on to that and had three more drives that were three plays or less. So seven drives in the game for Auburn. Against Ole Miss, which, again, is not the beacon of defense, not as bad as it used to be, but not the beacon of defense, seven drives were three and out or three, just three plays or less due to turnover, what have you. And that also does not include one other drive that was a five-play drive, which is not exactly getting it done either, five plays for six yards. So Auburn's kind of had this thing where they're either – and that's why the yardage is so bad – they're not having many tweener drives. They're not having a whole lot of, oh, they got two first downs, then had to punt because they started on their own 20 and got 45 and then couldn't make one or two more getting field goal range. No, they're not really having that. They're either going three and out or they're getting get the red zone and scoring the points. Zone. Yep. Uh, and so, and there's obviously not enough of the latter. It's not like, oh, there's one three and out and then three scoring drives. It's the, it's the opposite. It's three, three and outs and then one scoring drive. Yeah. So, the point is, is that makes it very difficult for pace because if you've got 60, 70 percent of your drives that are three plays or less, then I mean that you're you're tempting the networks to not even need to take a media timeout. Yeah, uh, you are giving it back to the the defense, and you're having a lot of time of possession woes and that sort of thing. So uh, that 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 is something I'm going to be interested in, and you can make an argument both ways for uh, on pace. We're going to take our first time out of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. Again, you're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. 
don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9 on this Wednesday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy, and T.P. Hammock running the board taking your phone calls. And speaking of phone calls, we're going to go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. First up on the show this afternoon, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know I'm uh, actually looking at Auburn and Mississippi State, and I think that this is going to be a really uh, good game uh, between these two uh, schools. And I was looking at some highlights from the last few years that Auburn actually played. I've seen, uh, I think, in 2003 when Auburn actually played against Mississippi State at Auburn. And in that 2003 season, I know – I think it was uh, Cadillac Williams that was um, playing for Auburn, and I think that was a really good a good year for Auburn as well. Yeah, obviously, two thousand four was the, uh, the the biggest year there when they they kind of put it all together. But yeah, Cadillac and Ronnie Brown were already uh, playing for the Tigers a couple years prior to that. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I don't recall the the three Auburn Mississippi State game off the top of my head, but I know Auburn has dominated this series overall. And, and I know that they won a lot of games there under Tommy Tuberville, Tuberville in the early 2000s against Mississippi State. Yes, because um, I was actually um, – I've been I've been an Auburn fan ever since uh, Tommy Tuberville was the head coach at the time. And I, I remember some some um, memorable moments in, the, in those uh, Tuberville years when he was the head coach at, at Auburn as well. But I'll keep that one, um, you know, for Friday's show as well. So – uh, but I think Auburn, I would probably say Auburn would come out with a 38-24 uh, victory on this one this weekend as well. Well, we certainly would love to hear that. Well, that would mean the Auburn offense got going in a way that it's not against Power 5 competition this year. So uh, I, would, I, would, I would be down for that score. I would, I would take a two-touchdown win, absolutely. Yes, as well, because I, I've been uh, waiting for this game. I know this is a really good game. I know this is going to be a sold-out game as well. So we have to – we have to, we actually, as Auburn fans, we have to block out the noise as well with the cowbells. And I, I know they are really going to be loud in Jordan-Hare Stadium this weekend as well. Yeah, I certainly hope not. That would mean there would be a lot of Mississippi State fans here, and they will have some. I mean, all SEC schools travel a little bit, and they will bring their cowbells. But – uh, I don't think that it will be uh, be prevalent at all inside of Jordan Hare Stadium. It should not be a huge issue for the Tigers. Yes, as well, because I know I'm going to be looking at some other SEC um, games as well. I'm going to be looking at Vanderbilt because I know we do play them on our schedule, so I'm going to be watching Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, and I have uh, Vanderbilt beating Ole Miss, but I'm just going to see how that game goes as well. And then I'm going to be watching Georgia and Florida actually for uh, this big game that I've been waiting for for um, a long time as well and one of the biggest rivalries in the SEC 
Um, this is the, uh, I think this is like the 19th or 20th time that uh, Florida and Georgia actually met up in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, they played. Uh, they played many more times than that. They, I think, they played a hundred or so times. I mean, they've. This is an old rivalry for sure. Yeah, because this one, um, every time when uh, Georgia actually plays Florida, this is one that I like to kick back and and uh, drink a couple of beers and just uh, and watch this rivalry as well because I know this one is a is a really good rivalry. I know it's played in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, I wish I was there in Jacksonville watching that game, but I, I think uh, Georgia would uh, beat uh, Florida this time as well. Yeah, actually, uh, Florida and Georgia differ on how many times this game's been played, but yeah, they played it about 100 times. So it's a, it is a great rivalry. Georgia's gotten the best of Florida here a little bit lately, as obviously Georgia's program has taken off. But usually, that is one of the best rivalries in college football, and hopefully, Florida can continue to improve and, and make that a great game again. Yes, as well, because I know I'm. Uh, I've been trying to see if Alabama plays this weekend. I'm not quite sure if they play a game this weekend. I know they got off week from their big win against Tennessee, so I'm just going to see who they play next weekend as well, because I'm not quite sure if Alabama would make it to a uh, national championship this year, but I don't want to you know step on anybody's toes as well yeah alabama is off this week so they do not play anyone and so is lsu and that is the next game for alabama alabama plays lsu in two saturdays okay so i'll I'll probably pick lsu to win this one because i know this is uh i think this is going to be a good rivalry um, between alabama and lsu so i know this is going to be nick saban's uh you know First, uh, not first time ever coaching at Alabama, but this will be the first time that um, that Nick Saban will be looking back at his old team that he used to coach years ago when he was uh, the head coach at LSU as well. Well, well, not quite. Uh, Alabama and LSU are in the SEC's Western Division. They they played every single year, so every every year Saban's been. At uh, at Alabama, they they have played LSU, and and Alabama has typically won. Although LSU won last year, and they've won a few times over the last fifteen years. But uh, that that game happens every year. Yes, as well because I I was um I was just trying to see like you know from from a uh, from a fan standpoint, uh, how, you know before um, Nick Saban was the head coach at Alabama, I know he was the head coach, the current head coach at LSU. That that's the historic standpoint that was looking at it as well yeah nick saban was was at lsu prior to alabama and prior to his uh, miami dolphins tenure won a title at lsu so that history's always been a part of it yes as well because i know um it will be sometime in his near future that he would retire but when that time comes for nick saban who do you think will step up to be the next head coach at alabama as well yeah that's a great question james i, mean, I think that's a lot of people a lot of people wonder that, and uh, that answer has, for me, changed over time. Uh, and, and I really don't have a, a great answer for that right now. I think it also just depends on what year you're talking about, because I think a few years ago, I think there would have been a lot of um, a lot of interest in Dabo Sweeney. I do not think there would be any interest in, in Dabo Sweeney right now uh, with the way Clemson has started to decline the last couple of years. And so I, I think it's about timing, and I think it's about which particular year. Someone to keep an eye on for me, which might be outside the box, but just I want to monitor that guy for a potential like 
elite A plus job. He's already got a really good job, but would be Dan Lanning at Oregon. Uh, mm-hmm. I think because of some SEC background by being the defensive coordinator at Georgia for a few years. Obviously, he's just in year two with Oregon, so if it were to happen, Saban retire this year or next year, I think it's a little too soon. But I think if Lanning continues on with Oregon and then they end up in the Big Ten with all those travel uh, differences and that sort of thing, I think you could argue that he might try to make a return to the SEC. So that would be someone interesting that I would monitor in a couple years from now. But, uh, again, I think it depends on, on what year we're talking about. Yes, because I'm I'm actually looking at like 2024 or 2025, and the next head coach I would like to see at Alabama. I'm just gonna like you know throw up throw this uh, head coach out there. I'm looking at like uh, Deion Sanders, but I'm not quite sure because I know he's doing a really good job at at uh, Colorado. So I'm just gonna leave him where he's at right now at his current school. Right now, because he's really looking like a like a good head coach at Colorado, so I'm I'm just gonna leave him where he's at, and I'm thinking maybe like the head coach for from uh, Liberty as well. Uh, I'm looking at the head coach at Liberty, uh, as Jamie well. Chadwell. Yeah, I, I I think Alabama would probably shoot a little bit higher than that. I think Alabama would have access to. Just about everybody in the country. So, uh, Chadwell's doing a good job over there. Obviously, uh, post Hugh Freeze, there ain't no this year. But uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think Chadwell would have had to work his way up the ladder a great deal, great deal more than uh, just Liberty. Yes, as well. And then on another note, with the NBA opening day that's uh, starting tonight, my Dallas Mavericks would be going to San Antonio to play uh, a, a, a tough team. With uh, Wendon Yimriyama, I think um, I just got uh, word that uh, Luka Doncic would not be playing in tonight's game. He just had a high calf sprain, so he is out. Uh, he's questionable, so he will not be playing in tonight's game. But I think this will be uh, it's going to be a good game tonight. So I'm just going to see how my Mavericks are going to do on the road. I'm just going to give them. You know, a little, a little bit of rope, and um, and actually, you know, give them the the uh, the benefit or the doubt as well. So I've been, you know, keeping up with my Mavericks, looking at, you know, how we're going to do when the when the regular season actually starts as well. Yeah, we'll see about Luka Doncic. I know he's questionable tonight. I've actually read that he uh, he was giving uh, some smiles in press conference today, indicating that he might end up playing tonight. But so we'll see about that. But uh, James, I know we've not talked to you since Monday, and of course Monday night your Texas Rangers punched a ticket to the World Series. So we got to ask you about how excited you are about the Texas Rangers. I am so excited for my Texas Rangers uh, on Monday night because um, I was watching uh, the Arizona. I was watching the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies with my dad on Monday night, and I was like, you know, watching it with him as well. And I was telling him, uh, you know, while we were watching the baseball game together, I was asking him, who do you think is going to go to the World Series? And he was just saying that he wanted the Houston Astros to go to the World Series. And I was like, no, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come to these two teams. And Next thing you know, I was like, just keep watching, just keep watching until the end of the game, keep watching until the end of the game. And when the end of the game was, the Arizona Diamondbacks punched their ticket into the World Series with my Texas Rangers. So I have the Texas Rangers winning game one and two as well. So I'm I'm actually going to be um, 
waiting for those free tacos uh, sometime this uh, coming up Friday as well. Oh yeah, still a base, still a taco, and uh, on the Taco Bell app, you know, I'm gonna definitely be trying to get in on that taco and see who ends up stealing that first base in the World Series. Yes, and I actually uh, put in my pick for uh, Friday night, uh, still a base, still a taco. I think is uh, Corey Seager. So if Corey Seager uh, stills base, I'm going. Uh, I'm actually going to get a free taco and with a medium drink with that one as well. So that's going to be pretty pretty amazing if I win that uh, if I win that pick. They will let me know as well. Yeah, as a former Auburn coach uh, used to say, that's big time right there. That's big time. Yes, as well because I'm actually getting uh, I'm actually counting down the days to a big game that's going to be played up here in Birmingham, Alabama, the Magic City Classic. I am actually I'm thinking about going to that one this coming up weekend to see Alabama State playing against Alabama A&M, and I think Alabama State they're going to look good this year as well. Yeah, I know uh, that's the Montgomery team there, the Hornets, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. That's obviously a big rivalry there in the SWAC and. Uh, you're right, it is played up in Birmingham. We'll see how that one goes. Well, James, we're about to run out of time with you today, so uh, you have any final thoughts for us? Uh, I think you may have a Halloween joke for us, but maybe that's later this week. Do you want to wait for that until next week, or what about? Um, I'll probably wait until, like, probably Thursday as well. Okay, that would be tomorrow. All right. All right, sounds good, and I'll talk to you all guys then. War Eagle. War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to head to our next timeout. Back with more Sports Call here, live on Tiger 95.9, right after this. Sports Call crew wants to hear from you. Give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, Ryan Lavoie, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. And with that, we go back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Ward Damn Steve. Retired Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How you guys doing, uh, Mr. Ryan LaVoy, Mr. Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry? Uh, we're doing How well, you doing? Steve. Doing well. Okay, well, I'm uh, somewhat happier and relieved to see the teams that I dislike the most in the World Series did not make it. Amen. Back-to-back nights. A real treasure. A real unexpected surprise. I would have... I've been wrong in every turn of this postseason, so and well, I'm, I'm glad, glad to be wrong, wrong this time. I'm so glad you were wrong. Yes, sir. I'm glad to be wrong I this time. I know you were skeptical because I asked you, you know, what, how'd you feel about the game last night against the Phillies, and you were skeptical that they, uh, you know, 
they could be beaten, right? Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, I was a little worried about them hitting off Ranger Suarez, and, and he only gave up one run. Uh, but the middle innings there, after the Phillies took a 2-1 to lead there in the fourth, credit to Arizona for immediately getting it back and taking a lead. I mean, coming from behind on the road uh, was my nightmare scenario, and they immediately came back, took the lead, quieted the momentum, and – uh, you got to give the D-backs a lot of credit for winning two in a row in Philly. Yeah, that that was yeah. my that was my thing, Steve. Is is them the chances of them winning two in that atmosphere in Philadelphia? I just didn't think that was possible. Yeah, I'm, I was surprised by it, and and of course we didn't really talk about it much in the Texas series. But you know the home team in that Texas Houston series did not win a single game. O and seven for the home team in that Rangers Astros series. Some pretty incredible stuff. And I agree with you, Tom, and uh, that is, uh, to, to me, the Phillies fans and the Astros fans are some of the most intolerable, obnoxious fans. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, certainly Phillies, Phillies fans, I mean, it's created a great home field advantage for them, although it didn't uh, come to fruition there at the end. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, they've, they've been very, very loud for sure. All right, moving on, guys. <clears throat> How about this quote? I really want you to comment on this one, okay, because I've got my thoughts on it. But uh, the quote is, my challenge to our staff and to our players this week is, let's get 1% better. Let's clear the fog and play free, end of quote. Of course, that comes from Coach Freeze. Now, I agree. You know, you got to start somewhere uh, to get better. However, at that rate of 1%, by the time we get to the Iron Bowl, we might be, what, 5% better? Right, that would be one adding up each week, yeah. Are you serious? I mean, that's a bit of a low bar. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you, that that statement has been made time and time again by different coaches and different I know, sports. But why? Why? Why do you go with that percentage? One percent? Come on, it, it, Steve. It's not a big deal, man. It, it's not. It, it, it is. They they are the it's the thing is they are trying to get that's your bar. I, well, of course they want to get as as much improved as they can but they're basically the statement is they're trying to start somewhere and they're just trying to get it going in the right direction because at this point in the season they have not been getting better so they just need to work on getting a little bit better at a time um and, and anything at this point would help and and so again it's just it's just that one's just a, a statement and more coach speak i know but is is i expect a little bit less absurd coach speak than than one percent I said I could say something a little bit. A little again, bit that's, it's not, again, it's not about the percentage, Steve. It's about the fact that they need to improve, and they have not been improving thus far, thus far in the yeah. season. Now, when I was talking to Jay, uh, a TP earlier on the line, because um, I've asked about Brooks, and Brooks is doing uh, uh, high school football. Is that right? Uh, say that one more time with uh, Brooks doing. The, uh, yeah, Brooks is yeah. Uh, doing the announcements for the high school football games. Is that right? Uh, he's doing the the high school coaches show, which is show, directly okay. after our show. Yeah. Okay, so I just didn't know if he was going to be uh, having some uh, interviews uh, with uh, uh, Coach Freeze or uh, Philip Montgomery. Well, again, this is the high school coaches show, so so that yeah. would again he that was a bad attempt at being oh, right, somewhat right. sarcastic in my humor because. I think right now Phoenix City could probably outdo our Auburn offensive team. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. Okay. Bad, bad attempt of humor there. All right. Now, uh, 15 years ago, guys, 15 years ago, anniversary of the score I told you I'm going to stick with it. I'm st- st- sticking with it. Three to two. 
2008, September 13th. Yeah, an all timer. You have to watch that game. Did you watch that one? Because I did. Uh, bits and pieces, but also uh, I was, I believe, twelve at the time, and you can forgive a twelve-year-old for not really committing that one to memory. Okay. Well, you know, I seem to unfortunately recall the <laughs> bad games that Auburn's played, but this was one of the most atrocious games. Uh, I was just reading some of the stats here, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I didn't know it was that bad," uh, but it really was. Here's how bad that game was. Uh, Auburn went uh, one for one on fourth downs. This team State went over three. Passing yards in that game was Auburn one sixty. Now that's incredible. I don't know if we can do that one uh, this game. This team State had ninety one passing yards. Uh, completions in that game for Auburn was fourteen of twenty six, which is actually not not too bad. This team State was uh, ten for twenty five, uh, and I just remember how just uh, I mean. I was pulling my hair out that no one could score a touchdown. No one. No one. Yeah, that, that's, again, uh, an unbelievable game that occurred. Unbelievable. And the only reason that uh, I have to remember this game, guys, is because I lost money on that game. Oh, I know. Uh, the reason I lost money, uh, because the, the thing that you would say, no, you're not going to do that, are you? Uh, and they did it. Okay, I could have some really bad luck. You know, bad beats, this was a bad beat. This is the Hall of Fame bad beats. I had Auburn minus one and a half. Mm. Man. It was three to nothing. Yeah. It was three to nothing until the very end of the game. And what does Tuberville do? Yeah, safety. He has his kicker go to the end zone for safety. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll that'll drive you not to bet anymore. Yep. Yep, yep. Uh, I said, hmm, uh, that didn't go well. So anyway, that's not my exact words, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, I mean, crazy things happened, unfortunately, in the Mississippi State and Auburn games, surprisingly. So, coming up Saturday, guys, I'm reading that uh, from Nathan King and uh, from Jason Caldwell that they're expecting a more up-tempo uh, game plan for the offense. What are you guys hearing? And if that's the case, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Because I keep we keep hearing that, but it happened really, and when it does happen, we're behind uh, so much that it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, yeah, we kind of opened the show talking a little bit about that and just the pros and cons to doing it. And I think that this week provides more of an opportunity to do it than in weeks past because of you're really just not as scared about the Mississippi State offense and. Uh, in, especially if Will Rogers is not going to play and you're going to have Mike Wright, the, the Vandy transfer, then they they scored seven points last week. I understand they won, but it was not like they were producing some great offense output even while they were stopping Arkansas time and time again. So you get a little bit less worried about the rest factor and what would happen if you were getting a little bit tired. And so you know, I think that this is a reasonable week to try that. Uh, and then certainly against Vandy the next week because, again, that was something that Freeze did a good bit of in, in his past 10 years. And so they, they've not felt like they could do that, and I certainly understand why when they're playing Ole Miss and LSU. And, uh, again, giving the ball back to them is, is not a great, great equation. But 
I, I do think there's a chance at it, but obviously you got to you got to start a drive well. You're you're not going to go up tempo if it's first and ten. You lose three yards, or if you fall start, or if you get behind the chain. So that's still there's still a certain playbook for it where you still need to get uh, get it going. But once you get it going, then yeah, I think you could see some up tempo. I think I read. You guys correct me, please, if I'm wrong. That Mississippi State's defense is better, or has been better against the the run. Uh, is that correct? Or am I incorrect on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that they have done a fair job there. I still think overall, you're looking at a team that is an average to below average defense. That um, they had, they they obviously played well against Arkansas. I mean, you don't just stumble into three points allowed. But they look at the rest of their games, and they had been beat pretty good. I mean, they gave up 20-something to Western Michigan, for example, you know, and obviously Alabama got them, South Carolina, LSU all got them. So, you know, statistically, they're not grading out to be uh, a great defensive team for sure. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that I think that it's still to the point, even though that they are maybe a little better in one area, I still think that it's not something that Auburn can't. Uh, just just won't be able to make yards against them because I still think Auburn needs to run the ball well and and yeah they did a good job against Arkansas against the ground but again Arkansas's not had Rocket Sanders for a good portion of the year which is their best running back so yes they played well uh, but but uh, again I think that they they can still be beaten there and you know since Ryan you mentioned about uh, they're not a great defense at all. That doesn't give me insurance of anything because LSU was supposed to be horrible, uh, at least on paper. Well, of course, uh, yeah, of course. But I'm saying that look, it's still better than playing some really good defense. And given that you are at home and you were able to function at least a little bit against Georgia when you were at home and, and that sort of thing, you know, I, I think that the opportunity at least exists um, for plays to be had. It's not like it's a stonewall defense. But, yeah, no, of course, Auburn's been so poor offensively that they have played not good football in the Power Five against all those all kinds of defenses. All right, guys, each of you have a chance to be the coach for Saturday's game. The coin toss goes in your favor. What do you do? Do you take the ball or do you go on defense first? I mean, I'm always, almost always a deferred guy. I think that the opportunity to uh, steal a possession in those, those middle eight minutes is important. I think the only time I take the ball is in, against teams that I just expect to beat easily because I want to take the ball and want to uh, kind of exert my will, so to speak. But I just think strategically it makes more sense to defer um, and, and – get some positive momentum hopefully with your defense that I if the offense goes out there and doesn't score to start the game it's a here we go again from the very get-go so I'd like the defense to be out there set the tone and then try to get the the first uh, first drive together guys what do you think yeah I mean I I defer but I I'm also I'm one of those that likes to get the ball to start the second half I, I don't know. Well, yeah, I'm, I mean, that's what deferring does, yeah. Well, I mean, but you can do that without deferring. I mean, deferring is you uh, deferring is you're giving them the opportunity. I'm saying if you just go ahead and kick, then you're assured the ball in the second half. No, because you've used your option. You defer the option to the second half, 
and that's uh, when Mississippi State or whoever. I guess I'm did. just not thinking about it, right? Yeah. We, Either you, way, I want the ball. Yeah. In, I want the yes. ball to start the second yeah. half. When you defer, you're you're giving an option. So when you defer the option and the other team opts to kick. That means they'll kick for both second half because you get the option in the second half. Right, okay, I got you. And so the option is deferred. Therefore, that option is always to receive. Right. You always just you always decide when it's your option to receive the ball. But when you win the toss, you can defer that option till the second right. half, and that's when you. Take I've never the ball. even thought about it that way, but yeah, and that happened. Well, you want the story behind this? I know we can't go over time here, but you want to know the story of this? J.J. Jackson, we love him to death. <laughs> decided to kick when they won the toss in an intramural game when we were in college, mm-hmm. which means what we did not get the ball first in either half. Because, again, when you win the toss <laughs> and you use your option to kick, that means the other team gets the option to start the second half, and they will opt to receive, of course. Gotcha. Interesting. So, yeah. People, that's new. Yeah. I, I, did I, I, that. I, I did not know that either. Yep. That's how, that's how the coin toss works. Yep. Yep. All right. <laughs> Follow the question, yeah, guys. You guys. I've, I've never okay. even thought yeah, of that. I, I had no idea. That's that's interesting. No. Yeah, it'll, it'll screw you up. Uh, for the World Series, who do you believe is the most likely to win it, and who do you want to win it? Oh, man, likely? I don't know. I mean, both teams have had to achieve some pretty special things to get here that were not expected of them. I prefer the Rangers to win, but I don't have a real dog in the fight, I, I'm fine with either one. I appreciate yeah. them both for their service of knocking out. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, Houston and Philly, respectively. But I guess I prefer the Rangers. Who I would pick? I would pick a long series because I think it's pretty even. I would maybe I would lean towards the Rangers. That's uh, But again, I if I don't know, you could tell me either way. Yeah, Rangers kind of seem uh, seem like they have more uh, more hitting power, better bats. Um, but I, I do, uh, I, I do like the Diamondbacks. I, I, I think, uh, I think I'm going to root for the Diamondbacks. I don't know. They're, they, I, I just, uh, I really, I'm, I'm kind of becoming a little bit of a, a fan of them. Okay. I, I like how they're, I like how they move. One more minute, Steven. We got to go to the okay. end of our break. Um, so I was just curious. I already know. I haven't looked yet. Who's Vegas Savory? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't, uh, checked that either. Uh, Rangers, okay. uh, TP's uh, talking to us saying Rangers. Uh, and I did see that Mari Austin looks like he's a probable Yes, so he's been non-contact the last couple of days at practice, but Hugh Freeze has mentioned that he's, he expects him to be cleared in time for Saturday, and so it's it's trending towards him being available. All right, that's it, guys. Hey, thank you again for the time you uh, allow me, and uh, love to hear your comments. I'll listen to the podcast later on. Uh, until tomorrow, I have a safe afternoon and evening, and more uh, Eagle. Or you'll see, appreciate that phone call. That is retired Ward M. Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And that will bring us to the end of our number one. Still ahead in the show today, of course, more of your phone calls at 334-887-3401. Locally or toll-free, one 9 We'll have Joe Bartle of Rotowire coming up at 4.30. Talk some fantasy football. We'll get into some of the last week's NFL games and continue to talk some more college football as well. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. TP Hammock is running the board and taking your phone calls here. Again, coming up in just less than a half hour, a little bit earlier today, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will be joining us to discuss fantasy football as Woo. there continues to be some quarterback, running back movement, and some injuries. What trading deadline's coming up in the NFL, isn't it? It's, uh, it's, it's earlier yeah, than I uh, always want to realize. The 31st it's right? the next week yeah. yeah halloween happy halloween here's your new running back or something i don't so again coming up soon in that and we'll see if there is any player movement in the nfl uh, but free Devonte adams from uh, the raiders they uh, won't do it but uh uh-huh. free him yeah raiders are always uh well they are certainly the team that represents las vegas let me <laughs> let me think of it that way uh <laughs> Josh McDaniels and company, and that's a good one. Certainly dramatic over there. Uh, So we'll talk some NFL here in in just a little bit, and uh, we continue to progress towards another week of Auburn football. Again, I was thinking about the other day. I'm not trying to make people sadder than they already are. The team is three and four, but uh, over halfway through the season now, Uh, seven games. That's we we hype it up for months and months, and you get a couple months of it, and then it evaporates and it goes through. And so we're we're more than halfway through the college football season now, which is sad to think about. It, so I will it's not flown by belabor the point, uh, but but certainly getting down to it. And this is now the stretch again. Talk a little bit about it in the first hour, where if you're like me and you're still kind of holding out hope that they'll figure a little something out and you're just playing weaker teams so you will find your wins here. I mean, this is this is now the, the, the stretch of play where the results can now surpass the optics where, okay, really the optics were so bad the last few weeks, but really the results were not shocking. Like in a nutshell, if you say – you lose to Georgia by touchdown, you'd actually take that. And you lose to Ole Miss by touchdown, you'd understand that. You lose to A&M on the road, you understand that. All these things you understand. Lose at LSU, you understand. But you lost by 30 to LSU. You didn't score an offense touchdown against A&M. Georgia, you had a shot at winning, but the offense just couldn't find enough. Uh, And then, of course, against Ole Miss, same same kind of thing. The defense held you in, the offense didn't have enough. So – there's the optics have been so much worse than what the actual results have been. So now I'm hoping that 
the script will flip a little bit and the results will be better. Yes, the optics matter to some degree, but the results are always most important. But again, you've got the stretch where Mississippi State is by, by default because they beat Arkansas to Arkansas, even though it was yucky. Like they're the best team until the Iron Bowl that Auburn plays. And yeah. it's still on your home field. And it's a team that Auburn is favored to be. I think the line's six and a half. I think it's the exact opposite line it was last week. I think Ole Miss was favored by six and a half. They won by seven. Vegas is pretty good from time to time. Uh, and then Auburn is favored by six and a half this weekend. So what is your confidence level? I, I've talked a lot of offensive questions. So let me just ask you overall question of the team because they do play two sides of the football. What is your confidence level that Auburn will achieve what we projected them to and now go on a bit of a winning streak up into the Iron Bowl? Uh, my, my confidence is still there. It's not as much as it was at the beginning of the season. I, I'll say this again. Uh, the, so far, the season has gone exactly the way I predicted that it was going to go as far as wins and losses. However, I did not expect the offense was going to be this bad. I Same. thought that I Same. thought there would be a little bit of improvement yeah. with the offense. I thought Peyton Thorne would give Auburn a little bit better of a chance, and now I'm on kind of on board with maybe you just need to run a Robbie Ashford. If you're going to be a running offense, then maybe Ashford needs to be it. So – I, yeah, I mean, I'm still confident because things have gone the way I said. But um, I, I'm confident that Auburn can get a win over Mississippi State. I think they will. I just don't think it's going to be as impressive of a win as I maybe thought it would have been at the beginning of the year. I think it'll be one of those tight nip and tuck. Uh, gosh forbid, I, I hate to think about the Missouri game last year, but, I mean, I could yeah. see it ended up being something like that where – Mississippi State misses a field goal at the end or drops a ball as they're walking into the end zone for a touchdown or something like that. It's something like that. I think that Auburn's going to squeak one out. Or maybe even like the Auburn-Texas A&M game where, yeah, it was a great victory, but, I mean, if you really go back and look at that game, it was nasty. I mean, it was yeah. just a sloppy game that Auburn did enough to win, and I think that's what's going to happen with this one. And I think their wins going forward outside of uh, New Mexico State is going to be the same way. <laughs> that they they just kind of find a way to to do it. New Mexico State's actually they're already good. bowl eligible. They're, yeah, they're actually pretty decent. They've got a quarterback that's just a, a, a stud. Anyway, um, yeah, it, it's been very uh, disappointing, in, in especially with the offense overall. Because I mean, you know, it, I mean, just to be frank and, and honest, Peyton Thorne was a miss, right? I mean, we thought he was going to come in yep. and be able to operate the offense at a really high level, and it just hasn't happened. It hasn't clicked. Uh, Six thousand yard passer, so you're expecting, hey, he's going to be able to come in and really sling it, uh, and that just has not been the case. He's been, you know, inaccurate. Um, you know, he, he's been his legs have been much more impactful than his arm, and so when you think about it, you're right, Tom. I mean, it really comes to the point where you're like, well, he's fast and he can move, but Robbie's faster and can move better with his legs. I mean, if you're just going to resort to that style of offense where um, even if you're dropping back to pass where Robbie, Robbie just has a better chance of scrambling. I know Peyton Thorne is kind of, you know, broke out for some long runs here and there usually honestly usually has about one a game honestly uh where he just kind of breaks out and has a good uh, a, a long run but 
Um, he just hasn't been impactful. The, the, the passing offense has really been uh, extremely, extremely disappointing. I don't know whether that's because the wide receivers aren't exactly able to get open. Uh, that might play a part as well. But, uh, you know, I mean, even when they were open, I mean, we saw the, the Texas A&M game, you know, I mean, Peyton Thorne, his throws were all over the place. It was just misses. And there was one that we should have, we all saw it where it should have been a touchdown to Jay Fair and he, he just missed uh, and, and sailed the ball. And it's those type of things where you're like, man, you know, you're expecting him to be better at it because again, he's a 6,000 yard passer at, at Michigan state. And, and you know, you see the highlight tape and you're like, yeah, man, this guy can really throw it. So it, it's very confusing and odd and it is disappointing. Um, you know, I, I did think that Auburn had a chance with uh, with Ole Miss. I thought they had a chance to be Ole Miss uh, at the beginning of the season, just because of the environment that Jordan Hare produces and things like that. Uh, and and I mean, it's Ole Miss. I know, you know, they. I mean, like I said, Auburn's just been better at home. They always are, and and I figured that would run, uh, ring true and give Auburn the opportunity to be Ole Miss. I I thought that at the beginning of the season, and it was close. Uh, you know, the, the but again, the the ceiling had the. This offense definitely has a ceiling in terms of points. They they cannot score more uh, when it comes to power five teams. They just can't seem to score more than than twenty one points. And and so once you get above that, if you're in any other offense, you're you're pretty much in a in a safe spot. Honestly, in terms of um, feeling confident enough to win the game. Mississippi State, their offense is not anything extremely high powered. They do have Will Rogers. But you don't know if he's going to be healthy or not. And, you know, like you said, with their running back as well, you're not sure if he's going to be healthy. So you're two, two pretty key pieces. If they're if they're not going to be playing, then, um, you know, if you're the defense, you're feeling very, very confident. If you're the offense, you're like, OK, well, this is a game where we definitely need to take an opportunity uh, to to, you know, maybe not run up the score. Just give up and get an opportunity to to keep things uh, to get things going in a in a positive direction. I mean, Mississippi State was only able to muster seven points against Arkansas so that and again like I said that's without Will Rogers and and they're starting running back but even still with Will Rogers they haven't they're you know like you said right they're not an exactly proficient offense they've changed their complete style of offensive play uh so they, they've been a mainly rushing team and Auburn's been pretty decent against the run so uh, I mean the defense is honestly like I mean it's the strength of this team like it, it, as we uh have really come to know and see uh they've been the reason Auburn has been in close in games at home uh so you you have this Mississippi State team coming in not exactly a high-powered offense uh a, a relatively middle of the pack uh, defense, I'd say, and and so you have an opportunity here to capitalize on something, get a win at home, get some forward momentum going to Vanderbilt. That's another game that yeah, is just a must win. Um, and, and I know you know it's Vanderbilt, but still, this team when they go away, they seem to really struggle, and you don't know how how things are going to play out. It is Vanderbilt, and and Auburn will have a really good showing uh, in terms of fans. Uh, you know, going to Nashville, there's a there's a a, a very heavy uh, amount of Auburn fans up in Nashville, um, so so that still gives you an opportunity really to come out with a win. But these next three Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas are extremely crucial um, in trying to at least salvage how we how Auburn fans are able to feel about the season. Like, hey, 
okay, we're not be able to beat up on the top of the conference, um, and that's understandable because the roster did have some problems, and you're still trying to figure things out. But this team is still good enough to um, still good enough to beat the lower parts of of this conference in the Mississippi States, in Vanderbilt, Arkansas, who again we thought was going to be better, is not. Uh, that as a very winnable game, they could only manage to muster three points at home against that same Mississippi State team. So, again, a, a winnable game, uh, you know, uh, in, in a few weeks. And so, those three, it, it really creates a line where you can say, hey, okay, if we can get these next four, that puts Auburn in bowl eligibility right there. Uh, and, and the last one I'm referring to, New Mexico State, if you can get those next four. You're sitting in a comfortable position. Okay, that's a, f- a good first year under Hugh Freeze. Uh, things were rough, and, and you know that four-game losing streak was tumultuous, but you understand it because you're at Texas A&M against Georgia, number one. LSU, high-powered offense. Ole Miss, high-powered offense. But you hung in there at home against Georgia and Ole Miss. So you get, you, you have things that you can you can build upon uh, and, and going into next, team, next season. And then, you know, if you want to top it all off with the Iron Bowl, you know, uh, things get crazy when that's in Jordan-Hare. So you you have an opportunity here to, to close out your next five with a potential win, and that's something that you can look forward to if you're Auburn. We need to go to our first break here of the 4 o'clock hour. And as we go to break, we're going to give you the opportunity to win tickets to this weekend's Auburn and Mississippi State game. The first caller right now, 334-887-3401, will get four tickets to Auburn and Mississippi State inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium this weekend. Again, one more time, 334-887-3401 to win four tickets to Auburn and Mississippi State this weekend inside of Jordan-Hare Stadium. Be the first caller right now to get those four tickets. Sports Call returns after this timeout. Stay tuned. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player and national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. TP Hammock running the board, taking your phone calls. And I have really good news for you if you were a little skeptical about calling in or maybe I said the number too fast because those four tickets to Auburn and Mississippi State are still available. So, again, first caller at 334-887-3401. Four tickets to Auburn Mississippi State. And I know that we had several people calling last week for Ole Miss. A few people came away empty-handed. But, uh, again, those four tickets still available, and I believe we're getting a call right now. So, uh, yeah, again, these the, this game for Auburn again, is now the turning – or the opportunity for a turning point in the season to get the positive momentum. Because I also believe, too, if they get this win, they're going to go to Nashville and beat Vandy. 
and then they're going to beat New Mexico State. They'll have their own max six wins. They might beat Arkansas, too. I, I, I want to see what Arkansas's offense looks like in the next week or two. That's fair. It could be With different. Dan Enos gone yeah, because they're – I mean, look, they're not going to bowl game. I, I, they're not going to get their four wins that they need at this point. Nope. But they still want to win what they can, and they still need to try to win that they can. I mean, I think Sam Pittman's safely fighting for his job at this point at two and six on the season again. And so uh, Arkansas might look a little different in the latter moments of the season right. after Danny knows. But but the point remains, I just uh, – if Auburn gets this Mississippi State game, they're going to get to bowl game because they're going to at least get Vandy and New Mexico State. Uh, and I know that people said, oh, well, you know, Vandy kind of hung around with Georgia for a little while. Yeah, okay, but Auburn hung around better with Georgia. Yeah. They were, they, you know, they, they had an opportunity to win. I don't think Vandy had much of an opportunity to win. So here, here's the thing. It is, it's if for as bad as this team has been playing, it is not out of the realm of possibility for them to go five and zero the rest of the way. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, and and, and that again, I'm going to say where my predictions were, they have gone exactly where I said they were going to go. My predictions were going to uh, beat Mississippi State, beat Vanderbilt. I had Auburn losing at Arkansas, but then I had them beating New Mexico State, and I had them beating Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I'm a little less confident about that Iron Bowl pick now. I mean, Alabama still is having their struggles, but they feel like they're starting yeah. to put it together, and I just don't know that Auburn has the offense to keep up with that. So I'm a little more hesitant on that. However, magical things seem to happen in the in Jordan-Hare Stadium, especially in the Iron Bowl. You saw you know, Auburn took Georgia to the brink. So I – this is a very, very real opportunity that Auburn could go five and zero to end this season and turn what is just an absolute, what looks like an absolute disaster, into something that is, could actually be pretty magical and some huge momentum going into next year. Uh, as far as uh, excitement around the program, the recruiting excitement and things like that, you know, it's just a matter of them going out on the field and taking care of business. But obviously, if you're going to do it, you got to start it against Mississippi State. We want to congratulate Wesley, who is the winner of the four tickets to Auburn, Mississippi State. So, again, thanks for listening, Wesley, and uh, look forward to seeing you here at the station and pick up those tickets later in the week. But, uh, yeah, uh, I, I think that, I, I, again, I have not predicted Auburn beat Alabama, and, and I still won't ever get there this year. I do think it'll be close because that's what home Iron Bowls for Auburn are. And I'm just I'm I can't decide. I need to see. I want to see Auburn play these next four, or really the next three, sure. Because I want to see if Auburn starts to act like they're going to play offense. Right. If Auburn starts to play offense, I think it'll look like the 2009 Iron Bowl, where Auburn mm-hmm. had some trick stuff going on, got a lead, just couldn't quite hold on at the very end. If Auburn does not get semblance of offense the next three weeks, I think it'll look like 2015. Right. Where Auburn was yeah. hanging, they were hanging, but just could not with Jeremy Johnson find any offense, and eventually the dam broke at the very end of the fourth quarter. Man won by, I think, 18 or 19, but it was a one-possession game throughout. So depending on how Auburn looks the next three weeks, that's where I'm at. It's either going to look like the 9 Iron Bowl or the 15 Iron Bowl. But, yeah, no, I, I think the way Alabama's played this year, do not expect to blow out, and obviously what Jordan-Hare Stadium is, do not expect to blow out. Uh, inside Jordan Harris Stadium. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the show, and that's because when we come back, we'll have Joe Bartle of Rotowire on. 
here on the, as he does each and every Wednesday on the show. He'll join us to talk some fantasy football as we're nearing the midway point of the fantasy football season. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan Lavoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. And we are now pleased to be welcomed, or are we pleased to welcome onto the show Joe Bartle of RotoWire as he does each and every Wednesday. Joe, as always, the time is gr- greatly appreciated. How are things in your world? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, looking forward to Damian Lillard's debut tomorrow. That's the only Wisconsin sport that matters, right? No other team is playing at all that we'll have to yeah. worry about? Uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, not uh, not worried about any of the uh, the uh, happenings around Lambeau Field this time of year. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> Or the Badgers. Yeah, or Wisconsin. Yeah, no, we we only know the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, yeah, but, that's good. That, that sounds right. Thank you. Okay, yes, good. absolutely. Uh, alas, though, we, uh, we get now Towards the middle of the NFL season, uh, I think there's no bye weeks. I know some other teams have to have buys, but no bye weeks this week. So full slate of action, all 16 games this weekend. And so, Joe, as we turn the page into this week, uh, I know that we're about halfway through the fantasy seasons and that sort of thing. I just want a couple general questions to start out with. Who in your eyes have been, I, I guess, one or two of the biggest disappointments in fantasy this year and one or the two, one of the two uh, pleasant surprises this year? Yeah, I think um, Travis Etienne and David Montgomery would, would probably represent two of the pleasant surprises. And Etienne was going in the third or fourth round in drafts for a lot of places. And I think by the end of August, he kind of was tailing off a little bit. There was some momentum that Tank Bigsby uh, was going to be a factor in that backfield and maybe some concerns about the Jacksonville offense as a whole. But we've definitely seen over the past three or four weeks that ETN is arguably the top or one of the top behind Christian McCaffrey fantasy running backs out there. I mean, he's been getting all the workload. He's an electric talent, too. I mean, I think we saw that last year, and it's been more of a confirmation for a lot of people because Jacksonville is getting more of a national stage. Uh, that he's a really good running back. And, you know, whether Tank Bixby is good or not good, that is up for debate. But I don't think it is for ETN. So it's good that he's been kind of confirming that's been the case. Um, and in the case of David Montgomery, you know, I think overall, one of the biggest positive stories from the NFL, and uh, I can say this as a Packers fan because the Lions haven't tortured me as much as the Bears and Vikings have in the NFC North, but it has been the Lions. 
uh, and what they've done this season. I know they got dropped by the, the Ravens last week. That's fine. That's going to happen, especially this season. But overall, that team looks legitimately good, and I think will very easily be either the third or fourth best team in the NFC when it's all said and done. And Montgomery uh, being a better version of Jamal Williams last season, you know, got the 17 touchdowns, whatever it was, has been a bit of a revelation because he was signed in almost an afterthought uh, after leaving the Bears this past offseason. So those two and the respective fantasy value has been good. I, I think from a disappointment perspective, you could name a number of injured players that went in the first couple rounds. Uh, and, you know, that's that's an easy way of doing things. But I'll go with a guy like Devontae Adams. And I should put an asterisk on this because I would not be surprised still if the Raiders choose to trade Devonta Adams, despite there being uh, reports of the contrary last week, then there could be a fantasy season that's salvaged. But for whatever the reason, Jimmy Garoppolo now, quarterback for Las Vegas, they just have not been able to get him involved. And he should be. And he's still a supreme talent, one of the best receivers in the league, in my opinion. Uh, and that he hasn't been more involved, that Josh McDaniels can't figure out how to get him involved, but you can have Josh Myers, uh, or Jacob Myers, I should say, involved in the offense, is just bizarre to me. Uh, good, bad teams can still get really good players involved. I don't know what we're seeing this year in the NFL, but it feels like really bad teams have no idea how to get their best players involved and are doing things with dumber players and, and lesser players uh, more than ever before. So I think that would be kind of one of the, the bigger non-injured guys that I'd be disappointed with from a fantasy perspective. Joe, uh, coming back to the Lions, um, even though – you know, they did get beat pretty badly by Baltimore. Jameer Gibbs, a lot of usage, 27.6 fantasy points. Um, could we see this? I know David Montgomery didn't play, but could we see this as a, as a potential breakout game? And how, do you, how much stock do you put into, into that big performance for Jameer Gibbs? No, I think this is a sell high, uh, if, if you could or if you have the option to. And uh, you guys had mentioned at the top of this that there is no bye weeks this week. We had six teams on bye last week, zero teams on bye this week. Week 14, the fantasy playoffs starting for a lot of people, a bunch of teams on bye there too. So I, I guess I'll take this time now because you guys get millions and millions of listens, uh, I'm sure. I, I want to ask and plead the NFL, be smarter. Please, just just please be smarter with these bye weeks and stop being so dumb with the week 14 stuff. You, you guys are all in the gambling and the fantasy We'll actually prove it. Stop having these Week 14 buys. So, no, I would be selling high on Jameer Gibbs right now. I, I think once David Montgomery comes back, and it could be this week, um, but it'll certainly, if not, be this week, next week, the workload is just going to trend back to what we've seen before. And I, and I mentioned this because it was the same case with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams last year as well. No matter how electric their scat back or their pass-catching guy is, he's not going to get the full workload unless they absolutely have to. They don't care about what draft capital is invested. They don't care about uh, financial costs to these running backs. They have a scheme. They are going to stick with it through thick and through thin. So I, I would anticipate that Jameer Gibbs, once Montgomery comes back, gets more relegated to like the uh, high-end running back two range and still a threat from a PPR perspective, but not nearly the extent that we saw uh, last Sunday. And then uh, on the other side of that that um, Baltimore and Lions game, uh, Lamar Jackson throwing for three touchdowns, rushing for one. Um, does this seem like a breakout game for him? I know he's been pretty good, uh, kind of hovering around the 20-22 range uh, in terms of fantasy points, but uh, you know, an explosive game against a pretty solid uh, uh, Detroit defense. Um, so where do you see him going forward? Yeah, and he's done it without really any of the Zafe. I'm sorry, he's done it without the Odell Beckham, Rashad Bateman uh, group of receivers really popping off. I know 
uh, Zay Flowers has developed into, it feels like that number two receiver behind Mark Andrews for that offense. But I think most people, if you said, hey, Lamar Jackson is going to finish top four fantasy quarterback this year uh, and will be an MVP conversation, they'd be like, oh, man, Odell had a great game or a great season. Or I would say, oh, man, Rashad Bateman had been fantastic. But that really hasn't transpired yet. And I think it's been a bit surprising that Mark Andrews, despite the offensive coordinator change, has still been involved to the extent that he does. But we knew Lamar Jackson really loved his tight end. And, it, and whether it was uh, Greg Roman's offense or now with Todd Munkin's offense, that's been clearly transpiring, too. I don't know if it's a breakout game for him. I think it's just a reminder to people who continuously, throughout Lamar's entire career, just sleep on him for X, Y, and Z reason. It's a reminder of what he's capable of doing against bad teams, but also in the case of the Lions, good teams and good uh, defenses as well. I think the scenario and the situation was just really present for the Ravens to be successful. Uh, they had come back off that London trip, which is typically tough for NFL teams, but sloppier conditions. Jared Goff doesn't know to do outside, uh, outside the dome. Uh, some injuries to the Lions overall. And I think just uh, they were riding high on a pretty easy start to the season, a kind of fluky win against the Chiefs, right? There's a lot of different things that have been able to rightly build confidence in the Lions. Well, that's going to happen when you go against a tough team like the Ravens who know how to play defense even with lesser people, and now they're getting healthy. I wasn't surprised by that outcome at all, and I think uh, too many people might overact to something that wasn't shocking to me. Let's stay in the AFC North, Joe, with the Cleveland Browns, and this is a team that's going through very weird things offensively, yet they are 4-2 and two on the season. You've had Jerome Ford fill in for Nick Chubb, had a pretty decent day last weekend, uh, but the continued quarterback carousel kind of puts these wide receiver tight end options in flux. They go to Seattle this weekend. What do you see out of those skill, skill grouping guys? Yeah, now Jerome Ford likely not playing this week and possibly next week with a low-grade high ankle sprain. I think it's so funny that we now have to decide uh, what level of high ankle sprain somebody might have suffered. We've had enough weeks now where that's a very potent injury for fantasy people, so we have to put a label that it's a low. It's a low-grade high ankle sprain. Don't worry about it. Uh, so Ford probably not playing this week. We'll see about Kareem Hunt, too, who didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, if if Kareem Hunt is out, and we already have Deshaun Monson ruled out for the Browns and their quarterback spot, I don't know what that looks like. The over-under in that game, I think, when I wrote my article, was like around 40 or 42, and I pretty easily took the over because I think the Seahawks' defense is vulnerable. P.J. Walker is competent as a backup, and that's about all I can ask for, uh, I think, if you're in the situation that Cleveland has been in. And then I figure that points would be scored. Like, I, I like Pierre Strong, who they traded for this offseason from the Patriots. I think in a pinch he can be a three-down running back, but we're asking a whole lot of a third-string, like a fourth-string running back, Second string, maybe third string quarterback, because Dorian Thompson Robinson was also the starter for uh, at least one game earlier this season, the, to really do a whole lot in a very tough atmosphere to play in, in Seattle. So I'm I'm a bit less optimistic about that Browns offense as a whole. I don't know how long Deshaun Watson's going to be out. Uh, I don't know if it really matters from a team perspective because Watson wasn't playing all that well, but it does handicap the value. I think of Amari Cooper, uh, certainly of a number of other receivers like Elijah Moore and a few of those other guys that people thought could be fringe uh, developing into something more kind of guys that you were drafted later on. It's it's a tough spot to be in right now if you have a lot of fantasy assets in, invested in Cleveland. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Goodness, Joe. Sorry about that. Um, looking at the uh, at the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Joe Mixon's a guy that a lot of people have uh, – 
has not been – I mean, he's had some good, had some bad, but uh, what are your thoughts on Joe Mixon going forward uh, coming off their bye week? Yeah, it's tough. I think we've kind of seen the regression of Joe Mixon over the past couple of years, and Delvin Cook got cut this offseason, really hasn't looked good for the Jets at all. We had guys like Ezekiel Elliott get cut, Leonard Fournette still hasn't signed with the team. I think Joe Mixon has been in that tier of running backs for me for a long time, but he was smartly uh, able to take a bit of a negotiation on his contract. Less money stays with the Bengals this season. And also the Bengals didn't really have a clear replacement. I liked Chase Brown, who they drafted on day three this year, but to say Chase Brown, a rookie, hey, go ahead and be uh, the running back on the team that has couple aspirations, I understood that was a tough sell. But I think if you were expecting Joe Mixon to be the guy that he was three or four years ago, We've just moved past that point, and that's unfortunately the reality for a lot of these running backs when they hit the uh, mid to late 20s. Uh, and, I, again, I go back to Delvin Cook as a perfect example. That guy just doesn't look nearly explosive. I thought he didn't look as explosive last season for the Vikings, much less the Jets, and I think that's where we're at with Joe Mixon, too. That being said, with how many injuries the running back position has had, again, we're talking about the four-string running back for the Browns uh, having fantasy value. Joe Mixon is still somebody that I'm interested in to a certain point. If you limit your expectations or temper them and say, you know, Joe Mixon's going to be a 10 fantasy point guy a week for me, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think there's a lot of value, especially as we entered the second half of all the teams having their bye weeks over the next uh, couple of weeks. There, There is some interest for me, but it's just understanding that, hey, he's not this mid-first-round pick anymore. He's not even a second-round pick anymore. He's more like that fifth- or sixth-round running back that you're hoping one last year he has enough legs to do something for your fantasy season. And then uh, looking at actually the the Denver Broncos and their offense, I know overall the team has struggled with wins and losses, but um, quietly Cortland Sutton has been a pretty solid and productive wide receiver uh, and a a good target for Russell Wilson. Do you expect that to kind of continue through the rest of the season, or or how do you expect maybe a fall-off? Yeah, Marvin Mims has been one of my favorite recommendations uh, in terms of fantasy guys that you can acquire for cheap or more than likely pick up on waivers because I've been assuming Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton was going to get traded. The trade deadline, I think, is week nine here for the NFL. So we're talking about it. in the next two weeks, one of these two Broncos receivers has to be moved, in my opinion. Uh, and I would have thought that plan would have accelerated if the Packers could actually beat the Broncos, of course, they can't because they are the worst team in the NFL. Uh, but the Broncos are right there and close behind, uh, or like right in that same spot too. I, I, if you say Cortland Sutton was with the Broncos all season, he's probably a top twenty wide receiver because he clearly has the eye of Russell Wilson. He's been a red zone threat, and that Broncos defense is typically miserable against not Packer teams, and will have to give up a lot of points. And therefore, the Broncos and Russell Wilson have to pass a lot. It, it's it's completely different. It's the inverse of last season where. The Broncos' defense was carrying things to a large extent, and we watched all those primetime games where the Broncos couldn't score more than 10 points. Well, they have a lot more opportunities now, too, and I think Cortland Sutton is fantasy relevant. But because he has done well, I would imagine he's the receiver, if not both of them, that gets traded before the deadline. Uh, and if that's the case, then it becomes just a complete toss-up as to where your fantasy value might be. I would, I would rather lean on cashing out on Cortland Sutton, who is like a eighth or ninth-round selection and if I could get a James Conner, who's uh, only two weeks away from returning from injured reserve, was a very stable force at running back to the Cardinals. If I could maybe improve at quarterback, think like uh, if you have Trevor Lawrence, can you trade up for Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen or Mahomes by giving a Cortland Sutton? It's those types of moves that I'd be looking at making because um, I'm assuming 
something bad from a fantasy perspective is going to occur for Sutton in the next two weeks. He's Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us today on the program. Joe, as always, the time is greatly appreciated. Again, remind our listeners what the busy week for you looks like and then also what RotoWire can not only only do for football for you, but also fantasy basketball as in the NBA season starts this week. Yeah, real quick, my Twitter, JB Fantasy Sports, will get you covered in a lot of ways. Uh, I already posted I already posted the week eight betting sheet, uh, all the over unders, all the picks against the spread. Wasn't a great week for me. Uh, in fact, you can make a lot of money betting against whatever I might say the opposite is uh, for the over-unders. Specifically, that's been really brutal this season. Um, but I also have the podcast as well posted where we go over all the way to where pickups. Daryl Henderson was kind of the top guy uh, that we mentioned. But Trey McBride with Zach Ertz now in your reserves, the Cardinals, is a really interesting tight end for me, too. Everyone's going to go Chase Dalton Kincaid, first-round pick for the Bills. But I think Trey McBride has some fantasy value. So, you can, you can find those things on my Twitter. Uh, but you had mentioned from a basketball perspective, obviously the season started yesterday, technically, but a lot of the game is being played today. You might still be uh, looking for a fantasy basketball league. If you are trying to draft or you're looking for any DFS stuff, uh, daily fantasy in particular for basketball is always huge. Rotoware has you covered there. I think if you go to rotoware.com slash free, you get a three-day um, free trial for us. And that'll cover everything on the site. So if you want to get uh, this on Thursday, you can have the DFS for NBA, but also all the weekly rankings and articles for football. It's a great time to be invested in what RotoWare is doing because we have a lot of fancy coverage going on, even college football for that matter, too. Joe, we love it. It's a very busy time of year. We understand that the... The Wisconsin has one thing and only one thing going on, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> yeah, and we will be <laughs> anxiously awaiting the Damian Lillard and uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo duo this year. But uh, certainly appreciate the time today, Joe, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Thanks. Good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. That is Joe Barnell of RotoWire joining us here on the Wednesday show, as he does each and every Wednesday. Certainly appreciate Joe for doing that. We've got one more quick timeout here. In this 4 o'clock hour, back to wrap up the 4 o'clock hour, set up the 5 o'clock hour right after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. We're done paying the bills. Now back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program. Again, appreciate Joe Barnell of RotoWire for joining us right there. If you ever miss any of our interviews or segments, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. And uh, I was thinking about, because Cam, you were telling me about your fantasy situation from this past week before the interview with Joe and I how figured out what happened. Okay, okay. Well, there was a score adjustment. Yes, and it got me to thinking about how we complain about refs sometimes after the fact or about yeah. a bad call. What if there was ever a game score adjustment in real life, dude? A day or two <laughs> later, and how much chaos and frustration and things that would, would ensue from that. 
Yeah, that would be uh, very, very unfortunate, right? I I did end up figuring out that situation. So, like, I I, I had a, a, a fantasy matchup where I lost by less than a point. Um, retroactively through stack corrections, ended up actually winning by .12 points because uh, I had the Bills defense uh, through stack, stack corrections. They ended up giving me a point because uh, – uh, I guess the Bills had a forced fumble, and so they they added a point because of that uh, through stack correction. So that's how I ended up getting the win. So I was I was pretty surprised by that, but I, was, I mean I'm happy because I got the win. Yeah. But, uh, I mean a whole point for for I don't even how do you miss a forced fumble? I don't know or how how that doesn't end up happening. I don't know, but I'm not complaining. Well, I can imagine like statistically what could happen is you could go back what the most common thing might be is that you would roll a swing pass like a a rush or something yeah and then you go back and realize it was actually a a forward pass so it counts as a reception and that's a point or something like that like that would come to mind as that could happen from time to time uh you know sometimes sometimes in basketball it feels like depending on the rules you're playing like you could give the rebound a shared rebound to somebody else or or something like that, or I, I don't know. Sometimes the assist can – did he take the second dribble? Or, right, you know, right. Like there's some some ambiguity there. Yeah, I've that's seen, fair. I've that's seen fair. that happen. But, yeah, no, that was – and also what are the odds that that mattered? Right? Oh, like, my gosh, right? That, uh, a half mean, a point game. Literally. And, because I was upset anyway because I was like, man, I lost that game because Brock Purdy threw a pick at the end of the at the end of the 49ers-Minnesota game. Yeah. That, I thought that was – I mean, that was the reason that I lost. And then uh, to come back and and retroactively get that point, that's big time, big win. <laughs> I mean, now I'm a, I've improved. Now you're five, five and two. two. Yep. I mean, momentum yeah, I mean, upward, going towards the playoffs. <laughs> Tom, how you doing? You, you what was your record on the year? Oh, let's see. So three and four, four and three. Um, Feel like you've been riding around five. Well, you lost I, I, this past week. So. I've been yeah, I've been riding around the five hundred mark. Oh, what about yeah? In in the radio station league, I'm, radio I'm station four and league. Three. Actually, I'm I'm four and three. I've won my last two. Okay, okay, but you were talking about another league where you lost narrowly because of the 49ers defense. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, that other everyone's one doing multiple leagues. Yeah, the other I'm one just, I'm two and four, and I've lost two in a row. Okay, well, see, we, that's why we don't talk about that one. We we only no. care about the <laughs> station league. Now but, now I'm I'm. Up against the wall this week, I, I'm up against Blaine Childress. Uh-huh. He's forecasted to... Brother of the commissioner of the league. That's yeah. right. Uh, he is projected at 128. I'm projected at 116. Yeah, bro- Brother Blaine's been good this year. I'm up I'm up against a uh, friend of the program, J.J. Yeah. Jackson, the A.C. You'll, Reynolds Rockets. You'll win, you'll win that one. I sure hope yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, Blaine is 6-1. and one. Blaine Childress 6-1. and one. He's won five in a row, so it's going to be a tough one for me. Yeah, he's been, uh, he's been outshining his brother Brooks and... Uh, Oh, well, I mean, Brooks will, <laughs> Brooks will figure it out. We are out of time for hour number two, though. Coming up in hour number three, we'll talk some more of the stories in college football, including Michigan. We'll also kind of give a few thoughts on the NFL slate from this past weekend. I know Thursday's our main NFL day, so that's when we'll look forward. But we'll, we'll give you a couple of storylines from the National Football League coming up in hour number three as well. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this timeout.
Two hours of sports call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. Appreciate you for tuning in, however you may be listening on this Wednesday. A little college football coming up in just a little bit. Towards the end of the show, we will get a little NFL in. In the meantime, though, uh, as, of course, we are the radio home of the Atlanta Falcons here in East Alabama. You can listen to the Falcons each and every Sunday right here, 10 a.m. airtimes for noon kickoffs, about two hours before kickoff at each and every game. And the Falcons got a huge win against the Bucks on Sunday in Raymond James Stadium to take the outright lead in the NFC's South Division. Yeah, and now man, the Falcons. I was going to say, the first place Atlanta Falcons. Yes, that's what I said. Uh, and so the Falcons move on now, take on the Titans. They get back over 500. Weird game in Tampa. Falcons <laughs> could have won by a couple of scores. They ultimately win by a young way coup score of 50-yard field goal at the end. Uh, but again, always better to win a little bit ugly or win a little bit disappointingly than to lose pretty. There's no such thing as a pretty loss, and Falcons get the dub and get first place. Yeah, yeah, uh, got first place in the division. Uh, definitely something uh, you know that that will be impactful down the stretch. Um, <laughs> I texted you, Ryan. I said Desmond Ritter didn't want to win that game. I, <laughs> I promise you. I mean, three fumbles, and I know the first one really wasn't on him. Shaq Barrett made a really good play on the line. You, I mean, you know, elite defensive end uh, you know uh they make plays that just is what it is he's he's an impactful player uh second one you know some people uh, you know it's kind of 50 50 it's, it's been a split on on whether or not that's dez's fault or that's drew dahlman the center's fault uh the snap the the fumbled snap that's kind of a 50 50 on who's fa- who's at fault there i kind of leaned more towards dahlman because i feel like he snapped it up into his butt and then that was you know that caused a fumble and everything but that third fumble not taking care of the ball, uh, very nonchalant with the football, Desmond Ritter running it into the end zone, not thinking that anybody's going to come try and make a play on the ball. First of all, ball is in the wrong hand. Ball should be in the left hand on the outside hand when you're running the ball in, um, and that's just like fundamental football. Which he said in the press conference, he, he took accountability for that. He said, you know, that's been since Pop Warner football, you've always been, you know, told to keep it on the outside hand. So he knew better. Uh, and so hopefully he'll learn from that. Uh, um, but, 
you know, uh, Antoine Winfield did make a great play on the ball. And, and again, you know, you feel like that's a game that, like you said, Ryan Falcons probably should have won by a couple of scores. Um, but, you know, it ultimately ended up being a close game. So you learn from those mistakes if you're if you're Desmond Ritter. Uh, still threw the ball very well. Uh, threw the ball very, very well. If you can just cut down on those fumbles. If it's not interceptions, it's fumbles. What can you do? Uh, but if you can cut down on that... Um, then you're definitely set up for success going down because you've got the easiest schedule uh, in the NFL going going you know through the rest of the season. You're going to the Titans, who are probably going to end up starting uh, Will Levis, is what I've been reading. Yeah, yeah, rough. Good luck. Um, I mean, I know and, Tannehill's been bad. Right, but still Tan- good luck. Tannehill yeah. hasn't been great, but he's still been your starter for a while. So uh, you know you probably like your chances more definitely with with Tannehill. Um, the the Titans really only threat at this point now is uh, Derrick Henry. So if you can stop the run, which the Falcons have been pretty good at stopping, then uh, you're, you're really set up for success. And I know, you know, Derrick Henry's a tall task, but this defense is definitely one that uh, um, is the strength of the team right now. And that's something that I've loved to see because you couldn't say that about Falcons defenses for mm, ever. And so now you're, you're, you're saying, Hey, we have a top, 10 potentially top five defense um top five definitely in yards uh, allowed which is uh fantastic and uh a titans offense that's pretty anemic i'd say um and, and so you're really set up for success going forward and then um yeah if desmond ritter can really cut down on these turnovers man sky's the limit for this team because you're really uh you're, the run game has kind of struggled and i and actually cordell patterson and and tyler algier had really really good running games um i don't think they cashed in for any touchdowns but still had a very solid running game um and you were getting production didn't the Bijan situation that was kind of weird because he played a snap had a headache you know and and i know the nfl is kind of investigating that but um overall a, a good win a much needed win for your division because the bucks i felt truly were, were really the only threat uh gotta face the saints way later in the season so that that'll be a test but a good win uh, against the bucks you're two and oh in your division yeah you know the falcons it's really weird when you look at their team stat line right now four and three on the year they are first place uh in the south as we mentioned they've only scored 115 points yeah low, lowest scoring that, one of the lowest scoring offenses in the nfl they, they've scored three more than the zero and six panthers yeah uh, uh, 29th scoring defense yeah. in the nfl it, so, it's not not good yeah they're they're uh, points for 115 and 133 points against for the falcons uh, but they're still in first place. And, you know, obviously you're hoping if you're a Falcons fan that you're going to start getting more offensive production, uh, cut down on those turnovers like you mentioned, and and maybe they can keep some keep the winning ways going right now. But, uh, you know, it's, it's odd to see a team with only 115 points sitting in first place because, I mean, you go through and you look like the 49ers uh, in the West, 201 points oh, yeah. scored already. Uh, the Lions have scored 174 uh, the Eagles have scored 186, and so you're sitting there in first place with just 115 points scored. Uh, I mean, that's that's down to be in first place, but it also shows that NFC South is not really very good right same now. Same place I mean, it was last year. Yeah, same I mean, place. Well, honestly, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, eight and nine won it last year. Yeah, uh, with Tampa, and and you had everyone was between six or seven and eight wins. So I mean, no one was just flat out awful, but no one 
was particularly good. This year, Carolina is flat out awful. Absolutely. And then the Bucks, Saints, and Falcons are all still kind of in that middle of the NFL type of deal. And, and maybe one of them will, will rise a little bit, one of them will fall a little bit, but they're for now still in that 13 to 20 range for all those teams, I would yeah. say. Yeah. Uh, the Falcons' remaining schedule, uh, as Cam alluded to, there is no one else above 500 on the Falcons' schedule as of right now. There are a couple of three and three teams, which are the New York Jets and the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but uh, they've already beat the Bucs one in Tampa, so you figure Falcons will be favored in that one and then uh, in Atlanta, and then we'll see what happens with the Jets uh, as time goes on. But really, really conducive to success with the Falcons heating up here throughout the year. You know, I, And I think that watching them in person, look, I think that Ritter looked pretty good. I mean, he um, he was very calm in the pocket, uh, did not get antsy deliver the ball, different targets, had a couple inaccurate balls, um, but nothing that stood overly out, and obviously delivered the really most important pass of the game to Pitts down yeah, the field over zone throw. coverage. Right. Uh, that, that picked about 40 yards, and, and really Atlanta didn't need to get any more yards after that uh, to set up the field goal. So he checked some boxes. It's just the what I've talked a lot about with quarterbacks, and I talk about this in college and pro, I think it remains the same for both is what is your worst play? Like, what is your F play? What is your D play? Because a lot of times, especially in the NFL, this is more of an NFL side of things, all your good plays look pretty similar unless you're like Mahomes. Like, all all of these pro quarterbacks can make these really good throws over zone coverage or, or make some strong throws on out routes 15 yards down the field, etc. Uh, a lot of those guys have it. But what separates them sometimes is the frequency in which and what is ultimately your negative play. Like, yes, everyone throws interceptions, so I'm not sure that it's, you know, everyone has interception in them. But what I'm saying is some quarterbacks F play is a turnover in a really bad time yeah, or a really bad part of the field. And that's what Ritter had, had a few on Sunday because it's always a bad time to have an interception or a fumble when you're about to score. Because Mayfield had one of those, too, where he yeah. threw an interception at like the 25-yard line, 20-yard line going in uh, the first time they tried to tie the game. And it's like those situations, those are F plays. You'll have turnovers, but when you have turnovers that either give the other team points or take them away from you, that's a really bad version of a turnover. And so taking care of the ball in the red zone is, is very paramount. Then your D play sometimes when you – are a lesser quarterback or below average or whatever will still be look the frequency in which you have turnovers like that's something that comes to mind with obviously a Jameis Winston which is obviously the the the, the absolute <laughs> max version of it but right, it's like right. if you think about it Jameis Winston's best plays were really good plays like they Absolutely. were on par with any quarterback in the league but what made him below average and even poor was because that D play, that F play happened so often because, again, there was a lot of poor plays in there. And so when I think of Ritter right now, I'm seeing the positive NFL quarterback plays. I'm just seeing too many of those F plays, those D plays, which, again, 
Everyone has some of them, but again, when you look at top quarterbacks in the league, obviously the frequency is lower. And then when it's like Mahomes, and I don't want to say Mahomes, let's say let's go down to like fifth or sixth place in the league. You go to like Jalen Hurts or you go yeah. to Dak or, or whoever that's in the back in the top ten. It's that, again, what's the situation that they have that negative play? And then is, it, is their D play a throwaway? Like, oh, someone actually was kind of open, but he threw it away because he got pressure and threw it out. Like, that's that's a D play for an average quarterback versus a D play for a poor quarterback. It's still a turnover-worthy play or, right, or something like right. that. So that that's what Ritter needs to work on because I do think he's starting to have more of the, the positive moments. Uh, he's and, seeing the field better, that's y- for sure. Yes. Uh, when, he was, when, he's, when he's able to sit in there and – and, and survey, it's it's going a lot better than it was last year for sure and even early this year. So I'm seeing some improvement there. And then, yeah, just as far as the division, I mean, again, New Orleans, the same problem. I talked about it, I think, last Thursday. I don't like the quarterback-coach combo. I like the the rest of the roster. I don't like Chris Olave getting arrested if you're the Saints fan. But uh, the roster's good enough to be right there. But I just the quarterback-coach combo continues to get in the way. And then Tampa regressing back towards the mean here. After a good start to the year, uh, Mayfield just is showing his deficiencies now too, and just not being able to make one or two more plays that are needed to win the game. Also, Tampa's run rush offense is just as bad as last year. Yeah. I mean, it was almost record-settingly bad last year, and it's uh, going into a pile of bodies again this year. <laughs> uh, I was listening, by the way, uh, as a sidebar, I was listening in the post-game show because they do. An hour, like most stations do, they do an hour, hour and a half of down the line network programming for post game, and then they go into a local call in show basically. Yeah. And the guys were like trying try to say, oh, you know, what What do you guys think if we try to trade for Derrick Henry? Uh, he's going to have zero holes to run through like all the other running backs. <laughs> like he's bigger, so he falls right. forward more often, but that's about it. Right. So, uh, you know, that those problems are not going away for Tampa either, and they do have a couple of first-place teams yet to play from from winning the division last year. I think the, I think the league I, – I don't think people talk about this. I think it's really smart scheduling, though, that when you have to – when you win a division, those, those games that cycle – are against the other teams that won your division, and if you were last, you play the other last place teams, and so on and so forth. Like, I don't think anyone ever talks about that, but I really love that scheduling model. And so, yeah. on a year like this, where Tampa is, you know, won the division last year, they've got to go play all the big boys, and they're going to be a little bit of exposed because they're not a big boy this year. Uh, and then those teams that finish at the bottom, well, they have a chance to beat other bottom teams and work their way up. So, I really like the scheduling model, but I that will too. that will come back to, to bite Tampa this year. Uh, ultimately, so I, I think that you're looking at a great spot for if you're Atlanta, and Atlanta is now, uh, as you said, two in the division. Do expect them to get the other one over Carolina. They're they're going to be in a really good spot uh, spot getting t- divisional tiebreakers with divisional record too. Um, other NFL items, couple other items. Uh, are the 49ers okay? They have lost two in a row now. Yeah. And not the most endearing losses either. It's not like they got to that big Eagles matchup and lost the big Eagles matchup by field goal. They lost to a Vikings team that's now won two straight without Justin Jefferson because no things make sense. Right. Uh, and, <laughs> and, right. you know, Purdy has now returned to sender here the last couple of weeks. So is there a real concern factor for you in the 49ers? Are you still – are they still on the Eagles level for you? Or, or do you think this is going to be – maybe now a season long or, or more of an issue that's going to cause San Francisco to, to 
be a little bit disappointing in the end. I don't know if I expect. I don't know if I expect them to be disappointing. I mean, I think you're just going to have losses, right? I think they're a little. They're reeling just a little bit. You know, not having Debo, Christian McCaffrey was kind of iffy. Now it's looking like Brock Purdy's in concussion protocol, so uh, that's another wrench thrown into the system. You know, I know he's had a couple of uh, rougher games, and, and yes, uh, and, and he threw two interceptions against. Uh, a, a very bad Vikings defense, uh, so you, you definitely wonder uh, how he's going to be moving forward. Um, but I'm not too concerned yet. I, I still think they have probably the best defense in the NFL still. Um, maybe they just have lost some production, and, and I mean you can't give the ball to McCaffrey every single time. You got to you got to throw it sometimes. And and Debo Samuel, it, you know, was is a catalyst for their offense. So you definitely wonder. Um, how how much missing him and I mean he hasn't been fully healthy in probably four weeks maybe three four weeks where he's just been doubtful if he kind of not used much in the offense because he's not a hundred percent so you wonder uh, just how much uh, they're really missing him so I think once they get back to full health they'll be fine I still put them at the Eagles level just because that that defense is still extremely elite in my opinion um but there i mean there's some cause for concern for the offense but i do i do still think that Kyle Shanahan will have that team you know winning the division and still making it um into the playoffs as a pretty solid seed yeah i i'm still on board with the 49ers uh, mainly because of their defense the one thing that i'm i i'm concerned about i guess maybe and i'm wondering how many people around the NFL are watching this does Brock Purdy actually come back down to earth to be the guy that was the last pick of the draft? The, you know, or is he actually going to keep playing at an elite level? You know, these are the things that you don't know. I mean, uh, obviously, you've had low uh, low draft quarterbacks come into the league and do amazing things, a la Tom Brady. But you still have to wonder. I mean, it, Purdy is a guy that was on nobody's radar at all when he got drafted and he's just kind of been this boy wonder all of a sudden does he i he 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 has begun to look uh mortal i guess yes yeah look human for sure sure and and so you that would be my concern is, is is he able to keep playing at the just ridiculous level that he has been or is he going to eventually wane is that is that is the the luster going to wear yeah. off. People going to start figuring him out. And is he going to start looking like a guy who was the last pick of the draft? Don't know. He's still got weapons around him, though, that are going to make him look good. And they still got a great defense. So I'm I'm not belling on them yet. Sure. I think the 49ers are too sound of a team to, to fall completely apart. But it is interesting. And obviously this organization has had so much riding on their quarterback decisions the last few years. They obviously had Garoppolo for a long period of time. Everyone understood he was an average NFL quarterback, but they were doing enough. They were winning a lot of games. They then draft Trey Lance to potentially be the future. Really unfortunate circumstances with Lance getting injured so early last year. Really couldn't tell what he was. I know that the start was not good, but really just too early to tell for sure. Brock Purdy comes in, plays really awesome. He gets hurt in the in the most important game there in the NFC title game and then comes in this year starting red hot, so they get rid of Lance. And, and obviously Garoppolo had already walked, and so it's kind of like what all the, the, all the chips are in on, on Brock Purdy. And so, look, I, I'm not necessarily – Pressing an alarm. I'm, I'm again. I'm not 
all of a sudden just going a 180. Don't don't get me wrong there. Sam Darnold time. Oh, absolutely (laughs) not. Uh, But I will say that if there's just probably a hint uh, of concern in that front office of a here we go again because they have the rest of the football team is good enough to win the title and they have just been searching for the quarterback to mesh it all together. And again, if Garoppolo is close, it's very doable right. to get to find that guy because Garoppolo is just an average NFL quarterback, and that's all they need Purdy to be is to be a little above average. And he had been well above average, been Absolutely. really good until these last two weeks. And, and admittedly, I've not gotten to see these last two games. I was driving Monday right. night home, and then the, the, their other game on Sunday, I was in, in, in Ray J, so I did not see it. But uh, obviously, you look at the stat line. You know he was under fifty percent against the good Cleveland defense. You know that he had a couple opportunities through two really important picks against Minnesota late in that game. You yep. do understand that, and, and and know that okay, that's a that's a little bit of that's something Garoppolo would have done. That that's just, yeah. it goes back to the horror stories of why they were just Garoppolo a little a little short with them. So San Francisco is going to be interesting to watch for the following weeks. Obviously, they do play that that Eagles team in a few weeks, and that's going to be a huge matchup. But they if they beat the Big Eagles, time. then obviously you recalibrate and right. say yeah uh, no no worries no worries here but solid. but uh but certainly is something to monitor as the 49ers not looking as invincible as they were just a couple short weeks ago we're gonna go ahead and take our next time out of the show when we come back we'll hit on a big a uh, couple big college football topics including the michigan topic which feels like it's just going to kind of be the random thing you got to hit on almost each and every day on the show so we'll talk a little bit about michigan and some other college football news coming up after this you're listening to the wednesday edition of sports call on tiger 95.9 May we have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Jeff Whitaker Jr., former Auburn Tigers defensive tackle and national champion, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Barry, Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday. Everybody getting comfortable as we get towards the end of the day here today. So we'll talk some college football here in the final 20 minutes or so of the show. Again, do want to remind you, though, that the High School Coaches Show is coming up next. That will start at 6 p.m. from the End Zone Bar and Grill. Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock will be there interviewing some great high school coaches and giving you a rundown as the high school season only has a couple of regular season weeks remaining. So, again, that's from 6 to around 8 o'clock or 8.30 tonight here uh, on Tiger 95.9. All right, so college football world. uh, I would love to get in some Heisman discussions or – Playoff discussions, those are always winners this time of year as we get to the second half of the season. Yeah. But when big programs decide to do <laughs> big, bad things, that uh, does dominate headlines a little bit. Yeah. And that does not happen every season, yet Michigan football is caught up in it. Now, 
Let me ask you guys this. Is it generally a good thing or a bad thing to learn of someone having a manifesto? Because no. it's generally not a good no, thing. No, it's yeah. not a good thing. No. <laughs> I read that, and I just shook my head. I said, a manifesto? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the no. Unabomber had a manifesto. Oh, no. That's not good. Yeah. Oh, no. So this, uh, again, Stall- Connor Stallions, the Michigan staffer who we've all been talking about, has a f- between a 500- and 600-page manifesto, which much, that's quite lengthy. Too yeah, much time that's, on that's, his hands. That's, that's not a one-day read. Between a 500- and 600-page manifesto, how he was going to change Michigan football. Take over He's changed it. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, guys, so again, I, I know I asked a similar question with Tom and Brooks on the show yesterday, but still, I mean, how much crazier can it get? And I mean, what what kind of punishments are we talking? Because because let's be honest, let's what that's what we're going to end up caring about here is obviously <sighs> yes, what what happened, but once you realize what happened, what's an appropriate way to deal with it? Yeah, I don't know because how, you know you wonder how much this has impacted wins for Michigan, how that's going to play out. Um, you know how aware everyone was that this was going on. Um, you know, <laughs> I think we're all kind of expecting Harbaugh to be an NFL coach after this. In all honesty, um, but it's just weird and unprecedented, man. It's definitely something different. I, I. I wasn't surprised um, as all this was coming out. I was like, I'm pretty sure he did it. And then he, and then the the news with all the tickets and all the stuff that they, you know, that that have been bought for him and all of these Big Ten games that he was apparently attending. And I said, man, uh, I mean, he definitely did it. So they're, they're, um, I don't know how what the punishment is going to look like because you again you have to find out how much this has impacted winning and, and things like that. Uh, for Michigan, and, and then I guess you kind of go from there. I, I don't know. I, I wonder how the NCAA is going to handle this. Uh, the the where I see this getting even crazier is how many other teams is it going to come out have been using similar practices because I think now there's like some reports that uh, some of the games that he had tickets to that he didn't go to, he was either selling them or giving them to uh, staffers from other teams and things like that. So. Uh, I I think I think more as this come as more of this comes out, you're going to find out that there are more teams that have been using similar stuff, and uh, that's I'm wondering how crazy it gets when you come to find out how many more teams have been doing the same thing. Gosh, I hope not, but I mean it's very possible. And then, again, yeah. I think I brought that one up last week when we initially started talking about it. It's like the I, I don't get cynical too much. But when you go deep dive into some of these sports dealings, it starts to get more easy to be cynical. And we've certainly talked about that with the recruiting side of things in the past. But the things that you, yeah, the things that you can get away with, and they'll turn a blind eye to unless you do something so egregious or so public. And there's now evidence of people at on freaking Tennessee message boards back in December. Finding out about this guy. Did you see yeah. some of that? I, I I saw I saw a thing where uh, it was just a headline of a story that said a Tennessee fan had pointed this out or made this accusation before it was ever even known. I don't know how yeah. they found out about it or how yeah. they knew about it. Unless they were just watching it on TV and they were like, 
they know the plays. <laughs> I don't think it was that simple. Yeah. You know, I think it was a more complicated process than that. Yeah. But it's like that's the kind of thing when you're so obvious that and I know message boards can go crazy. I know I know some of them are just wild accusations that, that half of them are not true. But when what turns out to be a very true thing from just some random person with Tennessee is not even connected with your conference. Right. Like that's a really that's that's when you know that you've had a lar- too large of a scope for anyone to ignore. Yeah. Yep. And that's what the NCAA does. It's like it it wants to see no evil. It does not want it really does not. But if you make it so obvious, then they'll have no choice. And then it's 50-50. Sometimes it's a little slap on the wrist. You go on with your day. Sometimes it's we're going to make an example out of you. Like there's really no rhyme or reason to it. And, again, Michigan, because this is their second time having to be investigated in as many years, I bet it ain't going to be a little slap. You know, and that's why Harbaugh's going to know. Yeah, and it's all right. Be fair; it was already rumored he was looking at the NFL for years ago. I mean, right. since since almost since he got back to Michigan. I mean, it, it's looked at and look. The dude was a good NFL head coach. Like he, uh, the, we don't have to go full send on it. Like it, this is not the only reason he's won football games. He is a, an accomplished coach, yeah. and and he did a good job with the 49ers in the NFL. He will get another NFL job if he wants it, but and, and now he will. <laughs> but you know. Clearly, it's not even about having to get into what would have happened or what wouldn't have happened and how much it aided. They could have beaten these teams without it. And that's also the annoying thing to know from the outside. It's like you did not need to pick up on Minnesota signals or Indiana signals. You didn't need it. Now, Ohio State, again, I can follow your line of thinking. I'll never agree with it. I can see how you wanted to cheat against Ohio State. But feeling the need to do it against every single team that plays in the Big Ten. And now, and being so forward thinking too, again, this was elaborate, that they were going to other schools that they might end up playing in the postseason, in the playoff. Like, again, that's when you know you do not think you're getting caught and you don't think anyone's watching because that is unbelievable how intricate that becomes yeah. at that point. Well, because isn't that, that where the Tennessee comes in? Wasn't he, yeah, they I were think at so. a Tennessee bowl game? Yes. Or the SEC championship game? or Well, it wasn't a – Well, it wasn't a championship <laughs> game, now with Tennessee, yeah. yeah. So I guess yeah, it was a maybe it was Tennessee Georgia game, maybe last or something. Year. Maybe it was that. It yeah. was something, but yeah, somehow Tennessee, like the staffer was at that game. Or so, yeah, I mean – yeah, it, it's it's crazy. But again, I I, I, I want to see how many now other teams get implicated for doing the same thing because it sounds like some of the staffers from other teams were do, getting tickets from him or doing something similar, right. or things like that. So, uh, I but yeah, I agree. It's like you know, did you really need to? Do you really need Northwestern's signs? No, I'm speak for you. You don't. You really don't. Mm. And, you know, what you're talking about, Tom, with it could grow larger, we'll see, is that's kind of what happened with the, the sports betting side of it. And it happened yeah. both in college oh, okay. and in pro. Right, right, right. Like, Ridley was the first in pro, and then you found out, like, seven or eight guys over the course of the next year and a half. Right. And then in college, it was, what was it? The, the, it was Brad the Bohannon, yep. which somehow got Iowa and Iowa State involved. And I, I'm still... I'm remembering the, the we're not remembering yeah, the details, details of how that happened, but still wild you, stuff, you, right? You got you got some other programs out in the Midwest involved all of a sudden, and so again, the that's the thing. Once you have a policy that you're going to turn a blind eye, there's no telling. 
Yeah. There's no telling no all the telling things that No telling how crazy happen. it goes. But then once you're forced to look at it, like you are like, no, look at this, it gets pretty ugly pretty fast. Uh, and, and so we'll see what the outcome is there. I heard a solution. I think it was Matt Rule. I've been interested to hear, you know, if you listen to a lot of these coaches, now some of the Big Ten coaches might be different. That's who were the victims, I guess. But some of these other coaches have kind of not been as much of chastising it as I thought they would. Like even Matt Rule, who I guess is in his conference, but but was right. not did not play Michigan because Rule was not at Nebraska prior to this year. Uh, even he was kind of more opining for what the NFL does because he just came from the NFL, where they put the the microphones, the the audio in the helmets of, of a certain player on offense and defense. And that way they don't need signs. And, you know, I kind of thought that that seemed like it made sense. I, I'd wonder the financial part of it for smaller conference schools and that sort of thing. But, you know, that kind of made sense where it's like, yeah, if the NFL has been doing this for years, give the mic capability to one player offensively and defensively, that would certainly alleviate it. But I still – I, I, I still want to point out that, okay, sure, this might cause a rule change or, or something or an adjustment or something, but that does not make what Michigan did any less serious. Just because yeah. you might be proven to need to change something does not mean that this is a serious breach of sportsmanship and of the rules here. And, again, it doesn't – to me, it really doesn't matter what the impact was. You can bicker about what the impact was and, and how much they'd beat these teams by or not beat these teams by. You know, you, you, you have to be penalized, and this goes for a lot. You, if you do something that is against the rules and you do it over and over again, there has to be a consequence for it, or else what are rules? Yeah. Why have any rules to society if you're if there's not going to be any Anarchy. consequence? Right? You know, so you can, again you can argue about impact. That's fine. I'd be open to that. But the 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 scale of this cheating scandal, which could grow larger because it could go outside of Michigan, is very serious, and they there needs to be a serious penalty because of it. And again, I understand that. Schools probably get away with other things, but I can't. I can't just blindly throw yeah. things at the wall at these schools without them coming to light. Right. But I can throw. I can throw it at the wall at Michigan yeah. because I now know and what's the going on. Allegations are there. Yeah. And uh, and so it's 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 very disappointing. And I, I we'll see what becomes of it. Again, I also from a competitive standpoint, I absolutely hate that we could get in a situation where Michigan could go win a Big Ten this year, win a title, and then two years from now they, quote, give it back. Because my eyes won't unsee it. Right. You know, my eyes won't unsee it, but at the same time I don't think they deserve it if they've been cheating. Right. Um, And Harbaugh will be long gone. Yep, won't care. doesn't matter for him. He's not going to feel any of the consequences, so it's going to be left to the school and then – then we're back having the conversation of, well, you're now punishing players that at that point probably weren't even on the team. So why, what, what do you, what's, what's the point? <laughs> yeah. I mean, but again, I mean, that will be, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I, I have a feeling they're still not done uncovering things because no? there's something new that comes out every day, but uh, just what a, what a, what a situation. And, Again, I think what's being alleged is it started around 2021 or so. Yeah. 
uh, which is also can kind of lines Jeez. up with their return to being good because again, their 2020 was 2020 not good was and not good. And uh, Harbaugh was in on the hot seat. He was one more mediocre year away from them saying goodbye, and then 21s when it all opened up, they beat Ohio State. They yeah. figured it out. Oh, they did that. Oh, they did this. Yeah. Oh, no, they 100%. did. This. 100% they did it. No, they did this. No, they they the only people denying that are Michigan people Dude, and Colin Cowherd because Colin Cowherd protects his brand. They but. did that. Yeah, they did this. That's crazy. They're 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 going to be looking for some major trouble for real. That's going to be interesting how this all plays out um, as the as the season progresses. Because I, I do think that as more stuff comes out, I think Harbaugh. I mean, I think Harbaugh just leaves. And you already know there was already speculation last year that he was going to be taking an NFL job. He did decided to stay. Um, ended up getting the four game suspension or however that ended up going down or, or three game whatever. Um, but now, he, I mean, well, I, I wouldn't want to coach at a program that has to do all go through all this stuff. And even though you know it's kind of, it's his fault. You know, because yeah. he's doing it, he's not going to be the one that's going to face any of the repercussions. So right. no, it's it's a very frustrating thing. Um, you know, he, he's probably going to – I mean, as long as he stays in college sports, yes, he'll probably have to deal with it. But he has another level that he can tap into. And so at that point, he's not going to be too worried about it. Yeah, no, I, I think Harbaugh's career path is simply – one more NFL job. If it works, he'll be there for 10 years or so, then retire. Or if it doesn't work, then he'll go do TV or go away in the sunset. I, I think that either way, he, he, he got, wins. I mean, he was at the <laughs> right. Well, sure. But, but also he's the coach of his alma mater, which is a huge school. Like That's there's fair. nothing going to be more appetizing true, in college true. than that. So true. there's really nothing else for him in college once he decides to move on from it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think his days in, in college football are, are certainly numbered and, Again, just the, the whole situation is awful. And, and you're right, the, the next guy will be tasked with something very difficult because it'll be high expectations because it's Michigan. There'll probably be scholarship reductions. There might be bowl bans. I mean, it'll be it'll be Penn State-like, <laughs> yeah. post-Jerry Sandusky, yeah, post-Joe Paterno. It might be Penn State-like with what the type of penalties and situation that might have. One final timeout here in the show. When we come back, we'll ramp up this Wednesday edition of Sports Call here on Tiger 95.9. To join our conversation, tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Final minute or two of Sports Gone today on this Wednesday, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry. Again, just a couple minutes left. Coming up at 6 o'clock, the high school coaches show out at the End Zone Bar and Grill. The host, Brooks Childress, will have T.P. Hammock with them, and they'll talk all things high school football with some of the great high school coaches in the area. All right, Tom, just real quickly in the last minute or two here, since this is your last show of the week, give us your final Auburn and Mississippi State prediction. Yeah, I, I think Auburn gets this win, uh, I, you know, and I think it's going to be one of those, you know, close games, kind of a nasty game. Uh, but uh, I, I think they're going to really rely on the run game 
I think the passing game is just too far gone to like really think that you're going to rely on it. Uh, but I feel like Auburn's starting to get some guys healthy. Uh, Damari Austin might be back in the mix again, along with the uh, the guys that you already have. So you're really looking at a good running back group. I think they rely on the run game. They get it done. Defense holds on. Uh, I'm looking at like a 24 to 14 Auburn win. Uh, you know, just enough they're not going to blow the blow the world up on offense because they're just not designed to do that. But they're going to do enough, and that defense is good. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going 24-14 Auburn in that one. All right. And, of course, we'll hear from uh, Cam a little bit later in the week on Friday. It'll just be me and Cam on the yes. show on Friday, so we'll certainly break the rest of it down. No, and, we're uh, only talking NBA. Sorry, all of you <laughs> listeners. Yeah, y'all I did done. get some NBA in yesterday. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs> uh, but it's also – I did the Auburn slant and – and uh, threw a few minutes in there for the for the season starting. Uh, but, we can do that again. But. Uh, sure, uh, sure. Yeah. So final minute or so of the show today, time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. No music today because we're almost out of time, but speaking of the NBA, first night of ESPN NBA basketball starts 6-13 is tip time for the Boston Celtics and New York Knicks from the Garden. Uh, I should specify from Madison Square Garden because also the garden could be Boston TD Garden. So uh, yeah. it's in New York. There you go. 613 ESPN. Uh, NHL hockey. You got the Washington Capitals, New Jersey Devils, 630 on TNT. You do have college football with UTEP and Sam Houston State in Conference USA. 7 o'clock on ESPN. Two and two movie picks for you. Step Brothers, 6 o'clock on E! And 614 because that's a natural time to start a movie on Stars. It's Night at the Museum 2, and that is Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Cam Barry, thank you very much for being here. We'll see you again on Friday. Glad to be here. See you on Friday. And Tom Peavy, thank you for being here throughout the week. Hope you have a great rest of your week, sir. We'll see you again next week. Absolutely. Enjoyed it. Again, that will do it for the show today. Coming up next, the High School Coaches Show from the End Zone Bar and Grill. And as always, we want to appreciate Joe Barnell of RotoWire for joining us today and thank all those that tuned in and called in. For Cam Berry and Tom Peavy, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.